You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hey everyone, and welcome to another great episode of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have an amazing new friend of mine, Jeremy Herriter. He is a three-sport professional athlete, productivity coach to several Fortune 500 companies. He's a life coach. He's also the pioneer of Optimal Self Incorporated and spends every day following his habits that he promotes through his program. Jeremy has helped thousands of people, to include myself recently, to become the best versions of themselves through optimal self. And he's done so with the belief that every high-performing individual follows those same basic habits to support their success. Jeremy, thank you so much. I'm really extremely honored that you're on the show. Welcome, brother. Man, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the conversations. I'm honored to be on the show, man, especially getting to know you over these last uh, over these last few weeks and, and spending some really quality time getting to know the man that you are, the father that you are, and getting in the businessman. So I'm honored to be here, man. And thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, you know, Jeremy, we've been able to spend, you know, the last four or five days together in, in Costa Rica, and that was just phenomenal. We were just sitting there talking about it and just kind of getting to know and understand your story that you played Major League Baseball, you went to uh, become a CrossFit athlete and even win competitions. So one, congratulations on all that. That's, that's all inspiring because as a kid, I grew up, every kid in America grows up wanting to be a professional athlete, whether it's baseball or soccer or football, <laughs> you know. I remember doing those little reports as a kid in the in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade where it was just like, okay, Abner Doubleday, you know, and, you know, <laughs> he did this for baseball and he did this and this is how this happened and things like that, you know. And that's just true inspiring. But I want to get down to some meat about some things. You know, this podcast is about purpose through pain and helping people find their journey through life with pain that they've experienced, you know, whether it's been, you know, a death in the family or the loss of a loved one or, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in a, in, a, in a home that just wasn't the best environment, you right. know. Take me back to the childhood of Jeremy to where what clicked in you to say, hey, not only do I want to become a professional athlete, but what got you to that point? <laughs> wow. That's a, I, well, first let me say thank you, man, because what you're doing is, is something we all need. Every human walking earth has something that's happened to them, some way worse than others. And, and you know that and things that you've experienced. So Man, I just, I, I can't say enough how much I appreciate you stepping through yours and, and telling your story and, and allowing a platform for people to, to listen in. So, you know, as a child, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant, 16 when I was born. So that that's a baby having a baby, right? And, you know, there weren't TV shows back in the early seventies, <laughs> you know, about, about that. It wasn't, it wasn't cool. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it was a struggle, man. She, she had to make a choice at, at some point. Right. And luckily I had 
amazing grandparents on on her side that uh, that stood by her side, my Nana specifically. But my birth father was and is an alcoholic, drug addict, was very abusive in those days uh, to my mom, to us. Um, they ended up having uh, two kids together, uh, my little brother. And luckily my mom got us out of that. She basically said enough is enough and pulled us out of that home. And we went to live with with my grandparents, Nana and Papa, who are just were the were the salt of the earth, man. Like they were, they were the they were the difference. My mom had three sisters, so I grew up with five ladies for for my mom, my mom and her three sisters and Nana, and then I had Pop, right? And so, you know, the early days, it's no lie, man. We it, we struggled. We didn't have you know we didn't have money. We didn't have things, but they fought their ass off, you know, uh, to to provide and and make it possible. And my mom will tell you the story, man, like from the time I came out of the womb from the, I, she, she even tell you that I think his first word was baseball. Like that, that, that was where he was going and what he was doing. And so, you know, it's really cute when you're four, five, six, seven, right. When you say, oh, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And when you get into that 14, 15, 16 year old range where, you know, people are looking at you and then it's not so cute no more. People are like, uh, I think you should hit the book, son. Um, you know, right. I will say this. Most people did not believe that I would make it. Wow. I was just not one of them. I just, I just, it, it, it never, ever dawned on me. It never affected me in any way. And I, I'll tell you a quick story that will help the listener too. And, and they probably dealt with something similar in their lives is that I wasn't the all-star player. I didn't get picked for all the all-star teams. I wasn't the best kid. You weren't trying, you know what I mean? Like I could play and, and I could catch, but I was very small at my age, man. Even, even when I got into high school, my first year, I weighed 98 pounds. Like I wrestled 98 pounds just to give a, you know, let's be clear. That doesn't really fly on the football field or, you know what I mean? Those dudes are monsters, but even at 12 and 13 and 14 years old, right. You got full grown men out there in a lot of cases. And so my 13 year old year was our team won the championship and my, my best friend's dad was our coach, which was like a dad mentor to me as well. And I thought for sure, because in those days, the coach, the team of the, of the winning championship team got to pick the last two kids on the all-star team. Mm. And so I was like, yo, this is my year, man. Like, you know, we, we won the championship. I played every game. I was playing shortstop second, did a little pitch, whatever. Like, you know, I could play, I wasn't big, strong. I wasn't the best kid, but I could play baseball. Yeah. I thought, man, this is my year. This is the year I'm going to make it, right? It's like it's like a dad to me. He's for sure going to pick me, right? Like, there's no way. Even if even if the rest of the coaches don't pick me, for sure he's going to pick me. Well, we got out there that day, and they 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 announced the All Star team, and my name wasn't called, oh and it was crushing, right? We've all had this moment, right, yeah. in our lives at some point. Like it was soul crushing for that 13 year old boy. And at the end, everybody goes to the pizza parlor, right? And they hand out the hats and, you know, our team won the championship. So they were having a, uh, the pizza party and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, in that day, we walk over and I see him by, I see him standing over by this machine. I walk over to him and I tug on his shirt and he looks at me and he said, yes, son. And I said, how come, how come I didn't make all-stars? How come you didn't pick me? And he looked me dead in the face. It, Joseph, it, there's probably people out there right now that have this moment in their life, this 13 year old boy. I could tell you today what he was wearing. I could tell you what I was wearing. I could tell you the sounds that were happening. It's vivid as, as if, as if it just happened an hour ago, he looked me dead in the eye and he said, because you weren't good enough. Now I know what that sounds like. I know it. 
And yes, I was crushed, absolutely crushed. And I walked away from that. I stood on the, I stood on the side. I waited to where I felt like nobody was looking at me anymore. And I cut around to the front and I ran up to the lady and asked her to call my mom. And my mom was, you know, so she's like, uh, you can't use the phone. I said, please, please, I'm begging you. It's very important. She's like, fine. She hands me the phone over. I had the long cord, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no yeah. cordlesses in those days. No phone, no, no yeah. cell phones. No in cell phones then. <laughs> <laughs> and so she hands it over to me and she dials a number. My mom answers. And I said, mom, can you please come pick me up? And she's like, what? I said, please come pick me up. She's like, it's a sleepover. You're supposed to stay the night with, you know, and she said their names. And I'm like, please, mom, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. And she's like, fine, I'm, I'm on my way. She hung up the phone and I sat there for a second, made sure no one was looking. And I, I didn't even go back. I went out the front door and I sat on the curb right by the front door and waited for my mom to pull up. That way she doesn't come. As soon as she pulled up, I jumped in that car and I was putting my seatbelt on and I couldn't stop crying, right? Wow. I'm bawling my face off. My mom's looking at me like, what is going on? And I'm like, just go, mom, just go, please just go. And she's just like, I'm not moving this car until you tell me what the hell is going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> we think all of our parents have had- That was a know, typical at, answer for all of our parents back then. Right? Like, and even know. now, right? We're yeah. like, what? Tell what? The heck, you know? We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and so I tell her, and like any parent, she's like, what? He said, what to you? Oh yeah. my God, you know? I mean, she's pulling into a parking spot. She's going to go in and give it. I'm like, please, mom, don't go in there. Please, yeah. please. I beg you, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. And I don't know if my mom knew what she was doing in this moment. I don't. She's my hero, but I, wanted, I don't know that she knew what she was doing. But she asked me the question that would change the trajectory of my life forever at 13 years old. She, looked, she, she said, you don't want me to go in there? And I said, no, mom, please don't go in there. And I'm crying. And she goes, fine. What do you want to do? What are you going to do about it? And I'm telling you right now, Joseph, my body gets calm when I, when I, even when I say the words. Man. What are you going to do about it? It's happened. What are you going to do about it? And everything went really calm inside of me. And it still does to this day. Because when something goes wrong, I ask myself that question. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You're going to sit there. The milk is spilled. If you let the milk sit there, it's going to rot and it's going to stink up the whole house. And you're going to, or do you go get that shit and you clean it up? You clean it up and you get ready, right? So in that moment, I said, mom, and I live in Southern California. I don't know if these are everywhere, but we had our sporting goods in those days was called big five. Now you have Dick's and something like yeah. that. The, the massive yeah. sport sports store, right. Was called big five. I said, mom, can we go to big five? And she goes, what? Like, you know, like a mom, she's like, you don't want to just go get ice cream. Can we let's go get a couple scoops of ice cream over here? And, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm like, can we just go to big five mom? Then she's like, okay, fine, whatever. So we go to big five. We walk in just like I told you, I could see, I know what he was wearing and what I was wearing and the smells. The same thing, I can see the sign. I walk over to the baseball section and there's a sign, it's yellow. It was on sale. It said sale at the top and there was a yellow sign. Every other sign was white. And it, and it said, 1999. I said, mom, can I have that? She's like, what the hell is that? I said, it's a batting tee, mom. Can I have that batting tee? You know, you have kids, people out there that have kids. She was, I know what she was thinking because once I had kids, I've done this before. I'm like, wait a minute, this 1999 is going to make you stop crying and not be upset anymore. Like, yeah, let's do it. Right. Like as a parent, we're like, here we go. Right. That's what she thought ice cream was going to do. Right. And I went home that day and I opened that thing and I built and I put that thing together and, and I went out back and I hit balls over and over and over. And I made a deal with myself. I said, from this point forward, we're going to hit a hundred balls off this tee every single day, every single day. No matter what, we're going to hit a hundred balls off this tee. 
I mean, in the, I'm talking, I was out there in the rain sometimes and I would use tennis balls because the tennis balls would soak up the water yeah. and the, and the, uh, the baseballs would get ruined. So I wouldn't right. use the baseballs. I'd use tennis balls. Right. And I, every day I would go out there every day. If we had, if we were going to, you know, whatever breakfast in the morning or brunch or church or something, I would get up before everybody else and I'd go out there and I'd hit those and I'd hit balls. And what I want people to understand is in those moments, if I would have just went out there one time and expected to make the, the next year, I didn't make all-stars again. The next year I barely made the high school team. I sat on the bench. I, I, I got more water than I got at bats. <laughs> like I wasn't playing right. The next year got a little bit better. The next year I got a little bit better. By the time I was 18 years old, by the time I was a senior, a senior in high school, I was the MVP of the team. I was first team all league. I got the patch on the, on the letterman's jacket. I was so pumped. Right. I made the all Valley team, not just the team, those little teams in your little, in your little community. I made the team that was, you know, the whole entire Valley kids from 50, 60 miles away that they picked. I made, I made the all Valley team, got to travel and go play on that team. And I was the only kid on that team coming out of high school that got a scholarship to go play baseball and continue playing what I loved. Wow. And I want people to understand this. You hear this all the time, but it's very true. We overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in the next five. Because if I would have thought I was going to just hit balls off that tee and the next year I was going to be an all-star, I, I would have been fooling myself. And most people think that and then they quit because it didn't work because they think it's not working, but it's time. You got to put in the time over and over. And eventually, eventually my size, eventually strength started to happen. Eventually I started to grow and the technique and the time spent and the, the time spent when no one was watching started paying off. It started paying off a little bit more at 16, a little bit more at 17. And by 18, nobody, it, it, it wasn't. But here's the kicker. I want people to really, truly understand again, because we have to understand perception. The question my mom asked, what are you going to do about it? Best, best thing she could have ever done right there, right? Best thing she could have ever asked me. And, but here's what I want people to think from my side, because we got we to gotta take we got to take account for ourselves first. We got to take responsibility for our own actions. I hadn't put in the time. I hadn't put in the effort. And let me be clear, 15 kids made that all-star team. There were 10 other teams, 120 kids in that league. If I was the 16th best player that year, guess what? I wasn't good enough. 16 out of 120 is not bad. No, but the truth, the very truth is I was not good enough. He wasn't the best thing that he did was tell me the truth, but he didn't tell me I would never be good enough. It was basically, and I say this to myself all the time, I'm just not good enough yet. Okay. You're saying I'm not good enough. Cool. Thank you. I'm just not good enough yet. Cause if I'm willing to put in the time, energy and effort, I can do it. Here's also think about what I told you in the beginning. I thought I was going to make that team because he liked me, Matt. He loved me. He was a, he was like a dad to me. Like I deserve to be on it because he likes me. How much, how fair would that have been to the kid that doesn't make it, who was actually better than me, yeah. right? How fair would that have been? See, we do this in life now all the time. Everybody wants the fucking handout. Everybody wants to be like, oh, I should get it. I deserve it. You know what? I didn't deserve it. I wasn't one of the best 15 kids. And did it crush me? Yeah. You know why? Because I thought I should be on that team because he, he, was, he was like a dad to me or that our team won the championship. No, man. The 15 best kids are going to get the spot. You don't, you don't get handed shit. But let me tell you this really cool story, Joe, check it out. Years later, seven of those 15 kids, cause they all were my friends, right? They grew up with these kids, went to school together. And 
most of them are still my friend to this, to this day, seven of those and the coach bought a ticket to a stadium and came and watched me play professional baseball. And what's cool, I got to go have dinner with them after and we, we had a great time, right? Even those kids would tell you, man, I, 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 didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't think you were going to be the kid out of, out of that league that, that made it. You know, I, nobody did, but I did. But I was willing to do the shit when no one was watching because, and I told him that story that night at dinner and he was mortified. He was like, oh my God, Jeremy, I am so sorry. What? I, I said that to you. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I gave him a hug. I said, I love you. You were honest with me. You just were being honest. I wasn't. I wasn't good enough that day. But what it did was it gave me perspective to say, I'm going to push and see if I can be good enough someday. Someday. Not tomorrow. Not the next year. Not the next year. But someday be good enough. And I get, don't get me wrong. I was crushed. And I I want the listener to understand it was traumatic. It didn't happen. I mean, yes, there were many days I went and watched one of the all-star games and I cried and I wanted to leave early. And I, there's a lot of different parts of that, right. That, that happened, but understand there's you right now listening to this, there might be a roadblock, but it's not about you that you're not good enough. Yeah. You're just not good enough yet. Yeah. As long as you, success will come to you. Not if you work hard, that's a lie. People are lying to you. The only way success comes if you're willing to learn, there's a difference. Mm. It's not just about the work because you could be doing shitty work. Right. Oh, just keep doing that. Keep doing that. You're going to get, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. You have to get better. Getting better means you have to learn something. So everyone out there right now that's in a stuck spot, don't think, oh, I'm done. No, you're not. No, you're not. The best, I say this to myself every day. Joe, you want to know something? You you said my bio coming in, right? Professional baseball player, CrossFit athlete. Matter of fact, I won an event at the CrossFit Games. I like Fortune 500. We have a business that did, you know, all cool shit. But let me tell you something. That CrossFit guy, that baseball guy that got to run on those fields in front of 50,000 people, he would get his ass kicked in my, in my life today. He wasn't good enough. He's not good enough for today. Right. If I just sat back, this is where most people get fooled is they think the glory days. What if I sat here and told you those were my glory days? No, they're not. The best is yet to come, bro. <laughs> I haven't even scratched the surface of the best version of me. Yeah. That guy is that guy was great. He was fun. He was cool. Whatever. He wasn't smart enough, right? But what I do, I did learn. I learned discipline. I learned that, man, if I if I can focus on one skill and get that better, that I got a really good shot, right? I got a really good shot of becoming something in any, in any, it doesn't matter what it is, but I want people to get that, man. I I, don't look back and it goes both ways, Joe. It goes both ways. Most people look back and think that high school body six pack or whatever they had it. That's the glory days. That'll never happen again. Bullshit. Bullshit. If you believe that you're right. Yeah. It's never going to happen again. But if you could sit there and say, yo, the best is yet to come. Right. But even people who have shitty trauma, like, Things that, you I mean, I've, I've coached, I coached a lady, man, and her backstory, I mean, I want to find the guy that did that to her and I want to, and I just want to, I want to physically harm him. Like, right. Like yeah. it, it made me angry here hearing her story, but the same thing goes is like, you can't let that be the definition. You get to, you get to create the rest. 
Yeah. You get to, you're, we're still writing this story, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing, Jeremy. It's like, you know, you had a choice that day when the coach said something to you. And a lot of things is, you know, we depend on, you know, for me, I grew up with dealing with so much re a rejection from my dad that it stemmed over. Yeah. So I was always looking for people's approval. I needed the good encouragement. Okay. You know, and you know, at some point in time in my life, I'm like, okay, I don't need that anymore. But you had a, it was a very pivotal moment for you because you could have said, you know what, that hurts. And now I do what you chose to do and go out and become better. Or I'm just not good enough and hang the cleats up, so to say, put the glove up, you know, and then break it out next season. Right. And then just hope and pray that because your relationship with your coach, you, you know, the mentor to you at the time would, would have, would have a good heart. But you know, ultimately pain can do one of two things to us because because it was painful to you. It, it was traumatic for you, you know, especially as a 13 year old. I mean, we don't even think the process, the best is yet to come. Oh, I'm no. going to go out there next year. I'm going to do it. Like, no, we're hurt. We're, we we mm -hmm. live, we eat, we breathe, we sleep baseball. You, you know, I remember doing it as a, as a kid, you know, and but pain, I always say pain can be life's greatest crutch, but can also mm. be the thing that launches you into your destiny. You know, it could be greatest crutch or it can be the very thing that sets you free, you know, and it's very easy to walk on the fence or fall one side to the next. Sure. You know, sure. and so, so going, going forward with that, you're playing baseball now, you're, you, you've hit the majors. Where has that transpired from you as it continued on to your life of the question your mom asked you, like, what are you going to do? Or even the coach saying, you're not good enough. So. I mean, those are, you're, you're, you're spot on, man. And, and today when I, when I use that and when I coach and we tell, teach people and some of the, some of the things that we have with optimal self is that I, I let them know is that, you know, you can have excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. Man, come on. And that means very simply is that you're right. I could have easily used that as my excuse to why I don't want to play baseball anymore. Right. Cause that's, that's the easy way is to just go. I knew that I didn't not want to, it wasn't even about, it wasn't even about being the best. It wasn't about proving somebody wrong. It wasn't about any of those things. It was just knowing that I, I didn't want anyone to ever tell me I wasn't good enough yeah. again. And the only way I could make sure that that doesn't happen is by doing the things when no one's watching, like you have to, as the levels grow again, because once you get to college, you got to re you, you got to read, reprove yourself. Right. And then through college, you, you know, I mean, there was tumultuous times. There was days where it was like, Oh man. And you lost your job and you had to earn it back. And, you know, same thing you get into, you get into professional baseball and, and it's, it's a business now. And you know what I mean? Like, and what I knew is that when things got tough, all I had to do was ask myself, are you putting in the work? Mm. Are you really, really are you just showing up because you have a job? Are you just showing up because they gave you a scholarship? Or are you really, truly putting in the work? And Joe, the same thing happens today when things aren't going great or the business isn't growing or things aren't working. The rela your relationship isn't that great, right? Or you're having some struggles. Stop. Take some breaths. Yeah. Look in the damn mirror and ask yourself, Am I putting in the work? Right. Am I doing the work? Those are the things you learn. So to your question is, 
you know, the transition again was very difficult because, and I'll tell you why, and hopefully this helps some people. And I didn't know I was in this quote unquote depression. I didn't know you see me, Joe, you've been around me. Like, this is who I am. You, yeah. can, you can vouch for it, man. I'll wake up. This is what's happening. No, this, <laughs> yeah. You go to bed. This is what, like, <laughs> what you see is what you get. I don't have different things. It's like, yo, this is who I am. So like it, hate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your opinion, but I am what I am. I, I don't, I don't change it. You know, like integrity and character is a big deal to me. You get what you get. And, and, and hopefully, you know, and my, my super goal is to, to help people and, and to, to be honest and forthright you know, and have a lot of integrity, do what I say I'm going to do. So in those moments, and when I got done playing baseball, it was a couple of years after, and I got into, uh, it was that was into real estate by then. And I was at the grocery store and saw this guy, this guy, I recognize his face to this day. I couldn't even tell you what his name was, but he, he's like, Jeremy, Jeremy Herder. Oh, Hey, Hey, dude. Hey, what's up, man. He comes over puts his hand on, I shake hands like, Hey man, how are you? He's like, crazy. He's like, can you stay right here real quick? My son's in the car. I really wanted to meet you. I'm like, okay. He runs out, he gets his kid. Here comes this like seven, eight year old kid. And he's like, Hey, you know, Nicholas, come here, come here, come here. He looks up and he's like, this is Jeremy. This is the guy we went to the same high school. And he, he, he's the professional baseball player I was telling you about. And right when he said that mm. my insides was like, <gasps> like, I, I like, Oh my God. Like, and they see the smile on this kid's face. And so I kept my shit together. I was like, Hey, Nicholas, how are you, man? And, you know, we talked a little baseball. I encouraged him. I said, man, you can do it. Like, here's what you do. Make sure you're putting in the work. Right. Gave him a little tips and we joked and we talked a little baseball and he was, he had just made us, you know, whatever, hit his first home run or something. It was very cool. Great engagement. Joe inside. I was dying, dying because he introduced me as a baseball player and I hadn't played baseball in a couple of years. I hadn't been received a paycheck or ran on a field in like two years. And in my mind, I was like, I'm not a baseball player. And I checked out and I went and sat in my car, probably sat there for an hour or, or, or two. And I was asking myself those questions. I was like, why am I feeling, what is, the, what is this feeling? And in that moment, it dawned on me. I was like, holy shit. It's because my, my identity was a baseball player. I was attached yeah. to being a baseball player yeah. and I wasn't a baseball player anymore. So the, my, my initial moment was that I wanted to say to him, Oh no, I don't play baseball. I'm not a baseball player anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I wanted to say, right. but I, you get this kid with the smile and, and all that. And it is, but I learned in that moment is it's, it's what I did. It's not who I was. And those are the things when you, you know, optimal self, like the art is the, the art of becoming the best version of you is because I was always trying to be the best baseball player. I was always trying to be the best second baseman shortstop. I was trying to be the best leadoff hitter. I was trying to, I was attached. My identity was attached to those things where if I could, re, if I could rewind that and go again, I would just work on being the best me. What does that guy do? Yeah. Right. What does yeah. the best Jeremy do? Well, he gets up early and he eats right. And he, he trains in the morning and he's and he you know, journals every day. Like that's what he does. That's what that future yeah. guy does. That's what he is. And so I was so caught up in the identity. And, and I think with a lot of people right now, probably listening, they're tied to the car they drive or the zip code they live in or the house, you know, street or whatever they, we get caught up into all these material or job, even things. And some of them are really cool, 
but what happened? But who are you really? What happens when that goes away? Yeah. yeah. Right. And you said something earlier. I just want to make clear is that the pain of that 13 year old boy, that what I felt when I explained that I still feel it. I want people to know that, like, I know that feeling, right. And it's still there and it lives inside of me. And when you try to just say, oh, it's not there and you think it's going to go away, that's, that's what you're, to me, you're fooling yourself is it's it, that dude's still there, man. He's yeah. still in there today. We get to control it. We get to fight it. We get to say, okay, well, what does the best version of me do? Yeah. What does that guy do? Right. Yeah. Not, not my mom's version, not my dad's version, not, not my brother, not my coach's version. What's my version. Yeah. What do I stand for? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And you know, brother, I mean, you know, in terms of like relationships, in terms of like, you know, when you were talking about baseball was your identity at that time, you know, it's, we can find that, like you were saying, you know, for me, I found that my identity was being a husband until my wife was taken away. Sure. And then I felt utterly and completely lost. Right. I'm like, right. oh my God. I'm like, okay, I have a 10 year old daughter at the time, an eight year old son, and then a newborn. I'm like, I know how to be a father, but did I? Because now I felt like what allowed me, empowered me to be a father or a husband was now completely stripped away from me. Mm. And then it became something like, oh my God, I need a wife. You know, I'm like, I, I started searching and ultimately it's like searching to try to fill the void, you know? And, sure. and so I went on this, not a rampage, so to say, but it's just like, man, I was looking. Man, I'd see somebody, I'm like, oh man, I, I may, maybe I can, you know, take her out on a date. You know, I got to hurry this process up, you know, because mm. I felt so empty, you know. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine out in California, which was one of the first guests that we ever had, Serena. And she's like, Joseph, she says, you're trying to fill a void. I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, you are because you're looking for something else to feel what you feel is empty. And I'm like, well, I never, I never really looked at it that way. I was just thinking, hey, I'm ready to move on with life, you know? But, and it's not that I wasn't ready, but my mentality of why I was doing it didn't allow me to be ready. Right. Because I was trying to find that identity of, well, I, I need help around the house. I need help with three kids. I need, instead of saying, man, I got to figure this out on my own, you know? And I've coached, you know, uh, females in, you know, or people in general, in broken relationships. And what ends up happening is a lot of what I've heard is, man, he's, he's, I don't feel pretty. I, I, you know, I, I don't feel this. He's always talking to me about this way because ultimately where is their identity at? It's not within themselves. It's not within, you know, me being faith driven is my identity's in Christ. Christ is who made me, you know, and within me internally, that's my identity. You know, not what the coach said or the girl said or my dad said or what the Marine Corps said or, you know, going back to, to baseball, I remember, man, and, you, you know, we're, we're a lot alike. You know, when you when you said the other day about you, you, you eat, you sleep, you breathe football or baseball. You know, I'm like, man, I always added another one. It's like, man, I even threw up baseball. You know, it's like everything about me was baseball. And I remember, man, I was a diehard Braves fan, right? And I remember them holding a camp for tryouts, you know? And they were taking younger people. And I remember a guy that went to our church that said, Joseph, you'll never make it. You're not good enough. But see, for me, instead of saying, 
oh, you're not good enough, so I'm gonna go out and become better. I took that personal and it really hindered me because I was always looking for the approval of other people because I never saw the identity in myself regardless of the the percents of me actually becoming a professional ball player. I mean, you know the numbers very small compared to the amount of athletes that go out there, especially today in today's right. age. You know, you're just a tad bit you're you're 8 years older than me, but even in my time, you didn't have the coaching, the, the self-coaching that you, you didn't know what it was to go, man, I really need to go find a hitting coach right now. You, you know, you can find that now, you, you know, you can find somebody that's done just specializes in hitting, you, you know, you can find it on Facebook, you know, yeah. and, uh, but we didn't have that growing up. And so you were always looking for the people that were closest to you for that approval. At least I was, you know, and going back to just people that I've been able to coach is the, the problem is, and I spoke about this on this last episode or two episodes ago, is we identify with outside things that eventually shape us to who we become, you know? And when right. we allow people to speak those words over you, because you did have that choice. You did have that choice. And when coach says, Jeremy, you're not good enough, you know, I'm like, man, you're right, man. I just, I, I suck. You know, or yeah, but here, here, let me yeah. let me add something to Go that. Maybe it'll help the listener too. Is is hearing you, and and again, I'm fortunate than the listeners that I've got to spend real time with you. And I want people to, when you have that feeling, I want people to remove the word approval, and I want you to take that word out, and I want you to put in opinion, because no matter what, it's just that person's opinion. Because when you start saying that it's approval. Then, then that's what gives me strength or non-strength, right? It pushes me down or pulls me up because this person said, yeah, Joseph, you're good enough. And then this person said, no, Joseph, you're not good enough. And then this person said, yeah, Joseph, you're good. Like, so here's what we do in life. And here's the problem that we're all faced with today is that we all have phones in our hands and the phone has an algorithm to it. This internet, no matter what you're on, no matter where you're at, it has an algorithm. It's watching what you're doing. It's listening to what you say. It's, it's seeing what you follow. It knows what you like. So guess what it does? It gives you more of that shit. It gives you more of that. And so that's just giving me more validation that, that I'm right. Oh my gosh, I'm so right because this guy said it and this guy said it and this girl said it, but there's probably an opposing view. So when we start if we can stop seeking others' approval and just understand what they're actually saying is just their opinion. Yeah. It's just one man's opinion, one yeah. girl's opinion, one person's opinion. Yeah. Now it has less effect on me. Yeah. So I don't need, because if I asked you, Joseph, I said, hey, do you need this guy's opinion? You'd go, no. <laughs> but you're like, but if I said, do you, would it feel really, really good if you had his approval? You'd be like, oh yeah, that would feel that would feel fantastic. Well, guess what? It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you really need this guy over here's opinion? You'd like, yeah. you know, no, not really. And okay, then, great. And then Jeremy, I hope you followed up with a question your mom asked you, Joseph. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> now, what are you gonna do you know, about? What are you gonna do about it? Because I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna yeah. actually do about it? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, talking to our listeners that have gone through broken relationships or sure. businesses collapsed over the last years is ultimately is is what are you gonna do about it? You're going to stay in the relationship that continues to hurt you and continue is, is continue to be toxic. Or are you going to stay in the living environment? Magic Johnson says this, okay, is he talks about growing up in the ghetto. 
He says, mm. I grew up in the ghetto. He says, I just chose to actually break out of it mentally where I didn't become the ghetto, you know? Right. And, and of course, he went on to be one of the greatest, you know, a phenomenal, great Hall of Fame and basketball player for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, you know? And I mean, we grew up then that time, so we, we definitely know. Yeah, but, one of my one of my fans. I'm yeah, a big fan yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of what Magic has done, like business wise as oh, well, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, no, His it's mentorship. It's, it's, I mean, everything, but it's yeah. ultimately is he chose to do something different about a situation, you, you know, and, and versus, you know, like what a narcissist would say over a relationship is you can't you can't have anything outside of this, you know, you, you'll never mount <laughs> up to anything, you know, and where it's just like, you know what, what are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah. what are you going to do about it? So, it's super powerful to, to, to have those thoughts. I mean, questions are, are really the ultimate, the ultimate power is, you know, but, but again, it comes down to that internal narrative because a lot of times the questions we, we are asking ourselves are taking us down a really tough road absolutely. and we've got to be honest. We got to, we got to be honest with ourselves and, and with each other and, and point ourselves in the right direction. And sometimes it is those conversations. I mean, that's the great thing about this platform is being able to, you and I be able to have a conversation and talk about the things that were traumatic to us and things that hurt and things that, you know, and took us to different worlds. Because let me be clear on something is baseball to me, if you asked me, it's a, it was an absolute failure. Like when you say about it, when you say what happened and what but to me, it was a failure. I wanted to be a 20 year major leaguer and, and wear a hall of fame jacket and, you know, go into, go into Cooperstown and be next to all the greats. Right. Is that, and I didn't come close to that. Like, that, that's not, like I'm not even a blip on that. The radar screen is going and I'm not even on there. Like I'm not even, a, I'm not even on that radar screen. So for me, where I wanted to go again, because we, we, again, it comes back down to identity, but what I know today did it hurt in those days? And was I going through that? Yes. And did I have to figure some stuff out along the way? And did I have to keep working? But again, when those days I worked on my swing, I worked on fielding balls. I worked on throwing, I worked on footwork. I worked, you know, like those are the things I worked on. What I failed to work on was me so that I could handle the rejection so that I could handle the failure and, and, and where it is. So then when you get into these other things, you do the same thing, Joseph, you, you look for the next distraction. You look for that next thing to fill a void as to, as opposed to truly just going, hold on, (laughs) let me take a step back and let me just, what does the best version of me look like? Right. And one of the things that we love doing, and and I love to do this with you is we, I got a ton of words and, and we call them, we call them core values. And I'll give you mine to just kind of give you guys an, an instance, right? Is that the three values that I have are integrity, character, and empathy. And those are my three. I write them every day. I see them every day. And integrity is do what you say you're going to do. If I told you I was going to be here at 1130, man, be here at 1130. If I told myself that I'm going to get up and go to the gym at 6 a.m., get your ass up and go to the gym at 6 a.m. Put that kind of confidence money in the bank to say yes. I'm living by the integrity. I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. Number two is character for me. It's like, now I got to be who I say I'm going to be, right? Not just that, but if, but if I am going to lead optimal self and I am going to lead this real estate company, like I'm not doing it to just tell people what to do. I'm going to get in there and do it with them, right? I'm going to get in there and, 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 and show them. I'm never going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. And then my third one is empathy because I believe truly like, so, you know, doesn't matter. I mean, I was blessed with, with girls, right? Two beautiful daughters. 
And my whole life, I just want to empower them to be able to be the best version of them. I want them to be independent and strong. Not that I don't want them to, you know, go on and, and have big lives and married and kids and all that stuff. That's not my point. But my point is that I want to empower them to think and be strong. So it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your culture, it doesn't matter anything. I want to, my empathy to me is listening to others yeah. because I can, we can all learn from each other, Absolutely. right? It's a beautiful thing of getting to come here with you today is in our conversation, I get to learn. And I said this earlier in the podcast, and I want to say it again, success is not about, it's, it's success doesn't come from just hard work. Success comes from the willingness to learn. And that should be every day. So the best version of you is just what can I learn today? right? If you're struggling, if you're up against it, if you're, if your business is failing, right? Or you, your relationship is failing and you feel it, step back and say, hold on a second. One, am I watering it so it can grow? <laughs> and number two, if we're struggling, what do I need to learn? Because yeah. when you take that approach, you open up so many possibilities for yourself. It doesn't mean everything's going to be you know, roses and unicorns, man. Like right. life is tough, man. You know, I heard a guy the other day, I wish I could remember who it was. He's like, Hey, listen, every morning when you wake up, you can't see it, but you put your feet on the ground and you sit there and life is standing right there in front of you, ready to kick you square in the face. <laughs> like it's ready to just kick you in the face. Right. Mike Tyson said, right. Everybody has a plan until they get punched, punched in the, the face. face. Yep. <laughs> like, it's, it's awesome. But Especially it's, on but social listen, media. Yeah. Listen, it's true. Like life is just ready to just smack you. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Yeah. The only way to prepare for that, you and I talked about this pre-show, is, is in your intention. Like wow. with optimal self, it's it's one of our principles is, is we teach is, is how do I get intentional about my life? Again, about my values. How do I get intentional all the way down? How do I get intentional about the next hour, about the day? How do I get intentional about my day? And I said this to you and I'll say it again, is it the power of tomorrow? starts with your intention of tonight. That's so good, brother. Get it going, man. Like they understand what tomorrow needs and then bust that fucking door down and go get it. Heck yeah. Heck <laughs> yeah. So, so Jerry, go, let's go back a little bit to, yeah. all right, you had the meeting in the store with the young kid and his dad, you know, and then you start to realize my identity, in, you know, at that time was in baseball. Was that another pivotal point for you to kind of move on into your CrossFit and knowing, did, did, did that switch for you or did you start to find your identity now becoming in other things? That's a fantastic question. So understanding that my identity was still attached to baseball is that I had to, I had to come to grips with who I was. And it's, you know, and at the time I was leading a very successful real estate team, you know, we, was, we were doing really well. We were, you know, flipping houses and stuff before it was all cool and HGTV and all that. And we were having some success. And so, you know, we were running with that. It, it did consume a lot of my time, a lot of my brain power. I didn't have, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was fully engrossed in it. I mean, that's the one thing you'll know about me is I got one speed, bro. It's, you know, I'm all in or I'm all out. I don't, right. you know, <laughs> when we were in Costa Rica, right. It's like, Hey, you want to go golfing? I'm like, man, I'd love to go spend that time on, but, but it's not something that, that intrigues me. And I'm one of those guys, I'm either all in or I'm all out. And, and so, you know, I, I, I chose, you know, no, that's not, I don't want to, I don't want to take the time from everybody else who's there to, to, to really play because 
I don't really care that much. So <laughs> it's not fair. To, it's not fair to the rest of the people. Anyways, I want people to understand is that that's it, that part of my life. So real estate started to consume, you know, was taking up my time was that's where my baseball energy went into. But in those moments, I did understand the simple fact of this is what I do. It's not who I am. So let's keep focusing on who I am. That in those days is when the optimal self was starting to be born. I started journaling like crazy. I love journaling. People, I, I can't stress this enough. One of our principles is write is because I, I literally think you should write every day. If the worst thing you write is what is my intention for today, then, then that's enough. It's not like you need to write a book. It's not like you need to spend hours doing it. Literally, if you can just get it out of your head and get it on paper, it will help. And that's where I started. That's when it's this all started to come about. And so that transition that transition became a little bit easier at that moment because there was a lot of transactional stuff happening. So again, I had to learn new things. I had to understand new things and, yeah. and, 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 and that was important. And so that kind of did that, the consumption, but it grew faster. The moment when I, because I was still focused on being a, just understanding like, okay, there's guys out there that have been doing this longer. There's guys out there that are that are smarter. There's there's companies out there that have been longer. I don't have the time in, right? My time was very limited. I was a couple of years into this thing and we were getting a lot of deals. We were doing very very well. Few reasons is again, I'm not afraid of the work. <laughs> like you can't I tell people all the time like you might beat me. You ain't going to outwork me. Like I'm going to show up. Like I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure out where I'm lacking and I'm either going to hire somebody to do it or I'm going to get better at it. Like yeah. that's, that's the simple fact of, of how life works. That identity crisis that I was in started to subside when I started to, to, to understand again, it's not who I am. It's what I do. And again, even today, and I will tell you in those moments is when I knew the, the CrossFit thing came about, I mean, I was always going to the gym. I loved working out and it got, and then all of a sudden I, a buddy of mine introduced me to it. We went to a gym and I just got my ass kicked. I was like, Whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> like I've never felt like this before, you know, and, and seeing what some of these people could do who had been doing it for a while, just it, it just, again, it, it intrigued me. And we went home and we bought all the gear and we put it in, in his garage and we started working out in his garage and watching, you know, YouTube videos <laughs> and, and trying to learn as much as we could. And then like anything, at, once you get it, once it starts to click a little bit, then I was like, okay, who's, who's the best coach for this? And then I sought him out and I, and I went to them. And then, I mean, we traveled all over the state in California going from gym to gym to gym to learn and to, and to grow and get a little bit better and get a little bit better and get a little bit better and being able to take things that we learned and bring it home and apply it. And then what we found, what I, what I, what I was witnessing again, everybody in your life, like if you pay enough attention, the things that you should be doing will show up. Cause a lot of times we just don't look for, we don't understand. We're not willing to be aware enough what I mean by that is all of a sudden more guys were wanting to come to the garage with us. All of a sudden we'd have six or eight dudes show up on a Saturday, man. We'd have 20 guys show, you know what I mean? Like we were, I mean, it was just like crazy. And so my buddy's wife was like, by the way, this is, 
this garage is supposed to be for our boat and our motorhome. And now you guys got, you know, people showing up, we're running around the block. And so I was like, oh my goodness, she's right. Like, let's, would all you guys be willing to, if we got a, if I built a gym and we did this at a spot, would you guys be willing to, you know, at least chip in to help for the rent and stuff like that? And it was like, yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, let's learn how to run the choose this business and do it. And all this. And at first we were just going to be cash only like, all right, just give us cash and we'll, we'll pay the, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll furnish it. We'll get it all ready. We'll get all the weights. We'll get all the stuff that we need. And it became a business. And then I needed to learn how, okay, how do we take credit cards and how do we do this? And so again, sought out people who knew it more than I did and learned from them. And then before you knew it, we had a 200 person gym that was 150 bucks a month. Then you could go across the street and pay $19. When we started, people were like, no one's ever going to pay you that. No, why would they pay you that? They can walk across the street and go to Planet Fitness for 10 bucks. Why the hell would they come? Why would they do that? Right? I said, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Let's just give them the most incredible experience. I don't need, I don't need 10,000 people. Really, our goal Joseph, which was funny, was the first year we said, man, if we could have 50 people, right, I would pay for everything. We could get new equipment. We could do all that, right? It would pay for itself. It would be fine. In 30 days, we had 68 people. Wow. And I was hoping in 12 months, we'd have 50. <laughs> like, it was bonkers, man. It was crazy. It was absolute. And, and, and it grew from there, right? It, it just, and it's another turning point in my life of, you know, going from going from baseball and, and I was still, so I was doing real estate in the morning all the way up to lunchtime, you know, and then I was coming to the gym and opening the gym at night and we were doing classes, you know, four, five, six, seven o'clock at night. And, and then I was either training after those classes. I mean, I was just finding ways right in the morning before I went to work, all, whatever it took, I was just like, we just did it. And I, and again, it wasn't like, oh, that was hard. It was like, no, man, it was, I was convicted, man. I was in it. Like, right. and again, I'm, and I want people to know is it's not, I could have told you, oh, I don't have enough time, but that's bullshit. You don't make time because every person that's hearing this right now, I promise you, you make time for the shit you want to do. Of course. You make time. You do. So when you tell me, oh, I don't have time to work out. Oh, I don't have time to meal prep. Oh, I don't have time to do. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like I'm just, I'm calling bullshit. Look, and I know you're busy. I, I mean, I was in those days too. I, look, I was a single dad with two little girls. I was braiding hair. I was, I, I was learning how to braid hair on YouTube and I was giving them a bath. I was getting them ready for school. I was making lunches. It was fun. Yeah. It was great. Like I, those are the, those are, those are some of the greatest days with my girls. Cause they're so little and they need you. And they, you know, and I, and when they were with me, I made sure I picked them up from school. Right. And the, a, a great story about CrossFit is that, you know, in baseball, it was easy to be selfish per se, right? Is because there was nobody else that I had to be accountable to, right? And I have children. I mean, towards the end of my career, Taylor was born, but I mean, I didn't have, you know, th that responsibility, right? And then I did, you know, I got married and, and, and be responsible to her and she loved baseball. So it was great. And, but when I got into CrossFit, I was, you know, divorced. I was a single dad, two girls, 50, 50 joint physical custody. Like, you know, we, I didn't mess around with that. You know what I mean? I, there was no way I was going to be a weekend dad. I was going to have those girls. And in that, in, in 2013, that year at the games, I won the deadlift box jump event. And it was crazy. Like 
to be number one in the world for a split second is like, it's this crazy feeling. And as I jump down off the box and I'm, I'm standing on that platform and there's day, you know, you just won and you set the record and all this stuff. And I catch eyes with my youngest daughter, Ryan, who was, I mean, I don't, I'm 10 or 11 years old at that point. And she's crying and I get to the fence and I give her a hug and my mom's crying. And, you know, like I'm, there's another 50 or 60 people from the gym and, you know, it's, it's just mayhem and people are going and, and I can't stop crying. Right. And they walk over and they're like, Hey, you got to go, you know, get your ESPN interview. And so I come over and here's the, the guy standing there and he's like, Hey, you know, great job. You know, blah, blah. He's like, but I see you're emotional. Like did that, what's the emotion from? And, it, and I didn't have, you know, this is spur of the moment, man. Like cameras on lights are on. Right. And I was like, what? It, it first it hit me. And I was like, the reason why I'm emotional is because you cannot succeed in this world without others. And in that moment, those little girls sacrificed for their dad. They, you know, every, I'd pick them up from school and we'd bring, go get them, we'd get some food. They would do their homework in the gym. I bought bean bags and they had blankets. Almost every night when they were with, they would fall asleep in that gym and I'd pick them up and put them in the car. And they sacrificed time. They laid on those gym floors and sat at that gym so dad could get those training days in. I'm emotional because I realized in that moment that then we all have to sacrifice something. The people around you, for you to have that kind of success, people have to sacrifice. And they did. And they felt it, right? I mean, you could see the emotion on them to see it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my dad won. It was like, we all won. We were all winners in that moment because they, they did it with me. They were by my, I just got chills, man. man, Like they were in it, you know, they were in it with me. We all won in that moment because I couldn't have done it without them. And those are moments even today where you look for those moments, you know, you talk a lot about, we talk a lot about accomplishment because that's what's on everybody's resume. right? Right. And those are accomplishments, but the truth is what we want is fulfillment. Because even in that moment, the, me winning that event, guess what? In an hour or two, like, I got another event. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not over. <laughs> like, you got to go do it again in, in completely different, you know, circumstances, right? Like, completely different modalities. Like, you, you soak it in for two seconds, high five, good job, go. But the, when I get to talk about it, it's not about that winning. It's about sharing it with them seeing them that that kind of fulfillment is what we search for in life and there is no accomplishment accomplishment Mm -hmm. will never do that for you and that's the big misconception in most of our lives that hitting a home run is fulfilled it's not it's accomplishment it it feels good in the moment but guess what you got to go back out there and play some defense if you make an error now you're now you're the goat right now now you were just the hero now you're not like hey what happened well you had a home no no you gotta and then you know it's the same thing you gotta come back you're gonna hit again you know what i mean you gotta get up and do it again tomorrow They're, they're just accomplishments but but people we need to what we need to do is sit down and understand man what lights you up what gives you that fulfillment what what lives with you those moments are great but the moment of winning doesn't do shit for me but sharing it with them 
putting my arms around those two girls, those two little girls in that moment and them being so excited and again, doing it to fulfilling it. Like that's, that's amazing. Helping somebody else in the gym too, going on and helping somebody accomplish a goal is so much more fulfilling than attaining a goal ever could be. Mm, that's powerful, man. It really is. Jeremy, so from, from there, you're in real estate, you're doing the CrossFit, and you've already started to journal and create optimal self. Let's transition into that because I really, I'm really intrigued by it. And I think, you know, ultimately, we all want to become a better version of ourselves, right? But a lot of us just don't know how to. I didn't know how to, you know, I, I wanted to be a better version of whatever I was at that moment because that was based around my identity, right? You know, and because ultimately we're looking for that approval, we're looking for that fulfillment, you know, that you just talked about, but <laughs> let's dive into, and we were having this conversation a little bit, uh, uh, you know, pre-show about not just doing things a hundred percent, but creating that intention that you talked about, you know, right. where we go about. And, and, and I mean, this could be with anything. This could be from being a father to being a brother, to being a business owner or a podcaster or, you know, um, a husband, you know, or, or a boyfriend, whatever the case is, you know, how does this right here, when you guys develop this, how does this portray into life itself? That's an awesome question. So, it is born out of all those instances. It is born out of, of things that I, that I wrote from time to time over those years and going back and, and reading them and going back and, and trying to encompass what, did I, what were the things, what are the principles that, that got me through baseball or, or what did I miss that would have made, that, that could have possibly maybe helped my career. Same thing in, in you know, my first part of business and then into CrossFit and then into to my life today. And so it came about fully in this moment. So Optimal Self is born out of what I've learned from others and applied that has helped me. And so I'll, I'll say it this way. I was driving, I was coaching a kid in, in real estate and he calls me and he's like, Hey man, I, I, I really need to talk to you. You know, sends me a text message. And I said, Hey, look, and I was at one office and we had, we had three offices at the time. So I was, I was like, Hey, I got about a 20 minute drive to the next location. I'll call you from the car. Right. Well, that, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't jump on a zoom and, or, you know, I can't get that, but we can do a call in the car without that, that be okay. So that'd be fine. And he get, we get on the call and he goes, he's like, Hey man, I'm really struggling in real estate, you know, and thank you for coaching me. But you know, I, I think I need to step away. And I was like, okay, no problem. Like what? And he's like, Don't, and I said, so you're getting out of real estate completely. He's like, no, but I got, you know, I live on my own. I can't, my parents, you know, nobody's help. I mean, I got kicked out, you know, and I, I knew his story and it was, it was tough. And, and he was working his tail off, man, really good heart. And I said, well, wait, so why are we going to stop coaching then? He goes, well, because I'm going to take a job part-time uh, to make some money so I can, you know, make sure I can pay my bills while I still want to do real estate. And I said, okay, so why are we going to stop coaching? And he said, well, how, you're not going to coach me if I'm not, you know, full-time. I said, what, is, what does that mean? What does full-time mean? Are you not putting time, energy, and effort into this? Are you not, can you not give me full-time when you're doing this? not full time. Isn't like, Oh, eight hour day. Like that's what, that's what the world wants you to think. Yeah. That's what they want you to think. Well, let me tell you this. They're wrong. Full time is full effort in what you're doing in that moment. Are you giving me that? That's full time. 
don't don't stop with this full-time and part-time bullshit like yeah. no when you go work at staples that you're you're full-time i said i'll tell you what i will keep you uh we'll, we'll stay on i'll keep your spot available on my calendar but under one condition he's like oh awesome you know yeah what what anything i said no matter what you do when, when you go to staples no matter what they ask you to do not whatever you give a hundred percent so if they ask you to be the if they ask you to sweep the whole place you don't say nothing you say where is the fucking broom and you sweep that shit you be the best damn sweeper they've ever seen in the history of that company they ask you to stock computers in the back you be the best damn you and you invent ways to make it more efficient and better you be the best damn computer stacker they have ever seen in their life wow. and he's like uh, okay and i said listen because how you are here is how you are everywhere. Right. So if you're going to go in there and you're going to part-time it, then you're going to come over here and you're going to part-time it. Yeah. Well, in this job, you don't get paid unless you do, unless you get a closing. So if you're going to part-time it, you'll never make it. Get the hell out of this business. So you're going to teach yourself how to do everything. And you do that by doing the little things now. So if you're in a job and you're just half-assing it to get a paycheck, yeah, you're right. Don't do it. And, and I'm not going to coach you. I'm, I, I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. You're either all in, you're either give me a hundred percent because you're going to teach yourself how to give your hundred percent in your relationship. You're going to teach yourself how to give a hundred percent in the gym. You're going to teach yourself how to give a hundred percent. You have to learn it. There's a, there's a great book called the five, the book of five rings, Miyamoto Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi. He's an old samurai warrior. He says, if we know the way broadly, we will see it in everything. And in optimal self, we say it this way, excellence in anything, excellence in anything will increase your potential in everything. You don't have to be the greatest of all time at whatever, but if you can do something great, you will increase your potential in everything else that you do. He goes, holy shit, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. He goes, this is bullshit. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, everyone should hear this. He goes, you... I'm so sad right now that we're not recording this and that we didn't see it. He goes, there's a kid just like me somewhere that needs to hear this. There's somebody somewhere that needs to hear this. And the fact that I'm the only one that just heard this, he said, that's, that makes me sad. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, Joseph. I was like, oh, he just taught me. Remember how I told you in every situation, if you're willing to fucking learn, you can. Here's this kid that was struggling that all this that I just gave. And what did he do? He just, he he just taught me something. Yeah. And that was the moment on the 605 freeway in California that I said, it's time. And so I went back through everything and I started my path and I wrote it out and I, I looked for the principles and I looked for ways and the things that we were using in, in, in coaching with agents and, and people in other industries. We were coaching a lot of insurance agents and, you know, cause it's a lot of the same mentality. It's a lot of the same, how to get leads and how to close and how to get referrals and all that kind of stuff. And so not from the business side, but what I, what I looked at was all my different, the people that I've coached from baseball to CrossFit, to agents, to insurance, to hair salons, to and I said, oh, wow, the thing, what are the things that are all conducive to us as humans? And that was when I said, they just need to be their optimal selves. Yeah. They just need to become the best wow. version of them. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. When you do that, you level up in your business. You level up in your relationships. Right. It's not a secret. Mm. 
this isn't some business in a box or life in a box. Right. It's not. So we built the principles and we've taught them, we've seen them, we've beta tested them for a couple of years. And now it's it, just like he said, it's, it's time to allow other people to see it. And, and I'll say it to you this way. When I sat down and I really started analyzing it for myself, I said, you know what? Because I tell people this all the time. I say, look, everybody has their own, their own unique fingerprint. Everybody. Nobody's is the same. Nobody has yours. Nobody has mine. Nobody has anybody else's that listening. Everybody's unique. Right. Which also is everybody has a unique song inside of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a platform and we're going to build a space where people feel confident and, and, and protected enough that they can sing their song because that's what the world needs. That's we good, need man. to open up. Do not let, do not go to your grave with that song inside of you. We need to open up and allow people to become the best version of them. And so that's where it's born. That's what our mission is. And I got taught and I've been fortunate to people that I have learned from, and it would be an absolute travesty if I went to my grave without saying these things and showing these things, something that was given to me, it can't die with me. I have to leave a legacy. I have to give it back so that it can keep living, that somebody else can take it and they can go build the best version of them. Yeah. And then they can teach it and go, they can go be the best version of them. Right. That's what it's all about. That's powerful brother. And, and not just, you know, the development of it through your life, but you guys just recently lost a loved one, you know, yeah. your, your son-in-law and mm -hmm. um, back in November and you're a living proof, you and your daughter, you know, are, are a living proof of this optimal self. I mean, how has that played a role for not only you? Because, I mean, the thing is, is like you teach, you, you coach the professional athletes, you coach the friends, you coach the business partners, but it's the daughter. It's the blood. Mm. It's the people that we're around all the time that we can easily exclude because, number one, we cannot live it ourselves. Number two, we don't see them as a valuable, not that we don't love them, but in terms of they're not a paying client, they didn't come to us, you know? Mm. But how has not only the relationship with your daughter, because I know you have a great relationship with her, but how has optimal self and her hearing you throughout the years, you living it, her going through it, how has that been a benefit for you guys right now in this current time? Well, it's not easy. Let's be clear. And of course I'm, not. I don't want to fool anybody to think that I have some magic potion for this because because I don't. And I don't want to speak for her either because she's she is incredible. And the way parenting for me has always been is to empower them. And sometimes that means give them space to make mistakes, to learn. It's a different animal when it's a different perspective when somebody, you know, reaches out to me and wants coaching and needs help with their business or help with their, you know, whatever it is. And because they want, they're asking for that help. And a lot of times when it's your own child or, you know, even somebody close to you, brother, sister, mom, dad, whatever, they don't, they don't really want your opinion. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just dad. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something you have to, you have to, understand, right? You have to take that in and, you know, giving that space to, for, for her to grow and, and grieve. And, you know, and I, I've, you know, from a young age, I've, I've done that with her is she's, and, and I think sometimes it comes off as maybe even not caring at times, but it's the exact opposite. It's caring so much that I want, I want 
both of those girls to be able to stand on their own that I don't, you know, I want them to, to learn. And they have, and she's, she's incredible, man. Like at that funeral, she spoke. And one of the things that she said, um, just we'll give a little more context so the listeners like, what are you talking about? Like they've been together since she was 14 and uh, she's 25 now. And they've been married. They were married for a little over a year. They've been together for like 12 years. He'd been in our lives forever. He was a, a California highway patrol. So he was, a, and he was a motor cop. He graduated as one of the top in his class. Yeah. He was tremendous, tremendous uh, human. I, I was telling you this pre-show, even at their, at their wedding. And I've said this several times, even after is, you know, when you have daughters, I hope every man as a father gets the honor of having a man like that, you know, be love your daughter. And I said that long before the, the, the tragic accident that, that did happen. He was, he was killed on duty. Um, and seeing her go through this again, cause we just want to take away the pain, right? Yeah. We just want to make it okay for our kids. Right. Like, and, but she stood up there that day and she said, if I can give all of you out there that any comfort, just know that, that Andy went, he went out doing exactly what he loved. And that's what gives me some solace in this. Right. And the pain is immense, man. Like, and then I can't even imagine, I, I, again, I can't speak for her. I can only speak for, for what, you know, what I witness and what I'm seeing and seeing her grow and, and, and be part of that. But I will say this now, when I speak on myself, you know, when you go through it and, you know, the nine days of a coma and then, you know, the, the actual, funerals and you go through all that stuff and it, 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 there's a moment when it's all done, right. Where we don't, there's not something to actually do regarding it. Yeah. And let's be clear. I didn't get out of bed for two days. I didn't, um, I didn't want to, I had no desire to, I handed over the reins to multiple businesses, to other people told them I was just, you know, unavailable. Don't call me. Don't, you know, nothing. And I didn't know how to respond, right? I didn't know what was next. And I sat there. And when you ask about optimal self, right, is that I literally, on like day three, when I was just not even, wasn't really eating much, wasn't, you know, uh, and I wasn't asking for help. <laughs> I didn't ask people to help me, you know, I just stayed to myself. And you know, everybody was in the family, especially was going through their own grieving anyways. And it was in that moment that I said that the question answered again. So what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I said, okay, what, what can I do? Yeah. I can't take away the pain. Can't bring him back. I, you know, I can't help her feel any different or better. There's no words that make it okay. There's no amount of money. Do we pay the house off? Do we, you know, like you could go through all the financial things. Like you, 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 you know, you start wondering and how and what, and, and then it came down to one simple thing, man. It was like, okay, all you can do in this moment right here, all you can do is be the best version of you. What would that guy do? What would he do? He'd spin his ass around and he'd put his feet on the floor. He'd do his breathing technique and get his shit together and then get up and kick the fucking door down and go be the best version of you. Because by you being the best version of you, hopefully you can inspire and help others to do the same. And by others, I mean the people that are the closest and around you. 
And that, you know, and it's not by doing something. I didn't, it wasn't doing, oh, I did this. No, no, it's not that saying, okay, what is that guy going to do? Well, he's got to run some, he's got to run the businesses that he owns. He's got to, you know, what's important. Well, health is important. So we should probably eat something good. Our, our number one principle, just to let people know is, is hydration. And the reason why hydration out of all the things that you could do, the two things that you, the two things you want to do all the two best performance enhancing drugs on earth, sleep and hydration. <laughs> you want performance enhancing drugs? Like, look, <laughs> The two things that will change your life forever, sleep and hydration. And we go through it in depth and I have courses and I can, I can go through all the, all the science behind both. And I could talk science on those for days. Cause I love it, man. I love it. I do. And, and I know because I've seen it in my own life, yeah. I've seen everything change. And so I did, I got up, I, I made my water. I put Himalayan sea salt and a lemon in it. And I drank that first glass of water in a few days and I'm not even shitting you, Joseph. It was like, oh, like my body was like absorbing it at yeah. a different rate. And then I walked outside to get a little bit of sun and just let the, 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 the you know, the, the rays hit my eyeballs and my skin. And I was like, okay, okay, here we go. I've got this. Here we go. Let's get back. Let's get back to being the best version of you so that whatever your family and whatever she needs, you can be there. Cause yeah. at the state I was in, I couldn't fucking help anybody. Right. Of course. I, I might even take him phone calls as a matter of fact. So even if they called, my phone was off. Yeah. Like I didn't even plug it in. I let it die and I just let it sit there. So you couldn't even get a hold of me if you needed me. I couldn't help anybody in that state. But I'm going to tell you this, the sleep, the hydration, a little bit of sun and saying, okay, <laughs> let's go be the best version of you. So if, if they need you, you can be there. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be tragic like that. I want people to hear this. If you just live that now, imagine right now, Joseph, of the people listening, imagine if you just said, okay, I'm going to be the best version of me just in case there's somebody somewhere at some time that needs me because I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when that phone's going to ring. I don't know when, something, when something's going to stop, but I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to be living the best version of me so that when it does, I can be there and I can help others. Absolutely. And I wrote my mission. I wrote this years ago and I still say it. I write it every single day, seven days a week, 365, every single day. My mission is to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action so they can be the best version of themselves. Again, changing behavior, because if you want something different in your life and you're listening to this right now, you have to do something different. That's behavior, mm -hmm. right? We have to do something different. Here's the thing. Most people know if I, if I put an apple and an apple pie in front of you, you know, which one is healthier, right? Right. <laughs> but what is the behavior? What do I choose in that moment? Right. Yeah. What do I choose? Am I prepared to make great? Am I prepared to have the right behaviors when it's called upon? The only way to change behavior is through belief and action. Meaning I have to believe in the process. I have to believe in it right? I have to believe that that behavior is going to take me where I want to go. Right. Because if you don't believe in the behavior, you won't do it. Of course you not. won't. Right. So again, if people are telling you about uh, habits and it takes 21 days to do a habit, 66 days to do a habit, 10,000 hours, bullshit, bullshit. It's a hundred percent bullshit because it depends on the person and it depends on what you're doing. It depends on the behavior you're trying to create. Sometimes it takes hell of a lot longer than that. And sometimes it takes a split second. Right. It, it's, it's all bullshit. But, but again, we must 
change behavior if you want something different. So it comes in belief. Do you believe that that behavior is going to work for you? That's number one. No, but there's two sides of that coin, Joseph. I want you, my belief coin that I keep, I say that belief. Do you believe in the behavior? Do you believe in the plan? If they come to work with you, right? And they say, hey, can you help me get here? When we're coaching them through things, do you believe this plan will work? Almost almost 99.9, they go, yeah, yeah, that plan will work. Okay, great. Let me flip this coin over because here's the other side of belief. Do you believe that you are worthy of, of that end goal, of that result? Do you believe that you are capable of following that plan? And do you believe that you are deserving? You see, all those traumas in our lives, all those things that have pushed us down, we might believe in the plan. The plan could be the greatest plan in the history of the world. Think about things that you've seen, things about the different things that you've gone and done and you've, and you've been through these, these you know, different uh, growth cons and all these kind of stuff. You get all these great ideas and all these great plans and you see all these super successful guys up there getting to speak from the stage. They give you the, they give you the roadmap and you're like, oh my God, that's the answer. That's the answer. That's the map. And then I get home and I implement a little bit or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm away from it. You know, and I know why? Because we haven't, we didn't flip that belief coin over. You believed in the plan. You believed wholly in that damn plan. But what you forgot was to flip the coin over and ask yourself the question, am I worthy of it, of the result that's going to come from it? Am I deserving of it? And am I capable? Because it usually comes down to worthy, right? We don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like we're enough because of everything that's happened in our lives. But if we can just ask the question, it gives us the opportunity to be aware to follow the plan. Because we know the plan's legit. We've seen people do it, right? We've seen people do this plan and get unbelievable results. Doesn't matter if it's weight loss, doesn't matter if it's business, pick it, whatever. There's some great ones out there, right? But what we fail, so we believe in that. But what we fail is to ask, is to flip that coin over and say, okay, am I worthy, capable, and deserving of what's going to come out of that plan? Just ask the question. Because if your answer is no, we can work on that. And if the answer is yes, Joseph, you will be more convicted to that plan than you ever thought possible. But we got to get to that stage first because, and I told you, it's belief and action. So once I have both sides of that belief coin and and I understand them, now I take action. The actual action daily, consistent action is what ultimately changes your behavior. You see, people who are successful, it's not that they're better. They just have better habits, Yeah. right? Because we live our lives on autopilot. We do. All of us do. Like right now, you got up this morning and you brushed your teeth. You don't have to think about where, think about this. <laughs> think about when your wife or all the people listening, right? That day or the kid comes in and uses your toothpaste and you walk in and you're going to brush your teeth and you're just walking through the motions and you pull out that drawer and there's no toothpaste and you're like, ah, what, right. what, what just happened? Right. What the hell is toothpaste? <laughs> Messes right? you all up. You just screwed my whole autopilot yeah. up. Now I got to think. <laughs> now I got to make it up. <laughs> right? Oh, that's like, so where awesome. the hell is it? We're blaming everybody, right? Where's, who took the damn toothpaste? Right. Something so simple, right? Yeah. Because we live in autopilot. When our autopilot, but but listen, sometimes our autopilot is screwing our whole life up. We got to yeah. fix it. So yeah. we got to change behavior through belief and action. And when you take those actions, you can do it consistently. You become the best version of you. Mm. Brother, that's good, man. That's powerful. That really, really is. I want to ask you one last question. What does the phrase purpose through pain mean to you? It's the title of the podcast. What does purpose through pain mean to you? Man, it, you know what's crazy is the moment you told me that when we were, we were on that retreat in, in Costa Rica, 
it's just lived in my brain, man. Like I, I remember asking you, Hey, what, what's the name of your podcast? And you said it in my whole, like my whole body. I just, I didn't just hear it. I felt it yeah. like there's a, you know, and I, and I was like, I knew in that moment, I think I said to you later that, that very first day I said, Hey man, you know, all we need to, we need to get on this together. Like we, you need yeah. to become, um, you know, like we, that I, same day, it was like within hours of, of you telling me that, like you just spending some, spending very little time with you. I knew I was like, man, this is my dude right here. Like, so what does it mean? Uh, again, I love purpose. I love the way that you use it. And for me, it's looking at Yes, we all have pain. All I mean, some are worse than others. And please, I hope, you know, people listening to this and, and just hearing our stories, they're like, oh, that's not so bad. Mine is worse. And I'm sure it is. And I don't doubt that for a second. I don't try to act like, you know, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I'm very grateful for everything that I ever had. I mean, my mom, like I said, is so please don't, don't feel like you're, but I also don't want you to feel like you can't come out of it. Right. So, yeah. so I, pain is a hard thing to, to really equate because everybody's is different. But for me that when you, when I heard you say that that day, and I knew that because I'm a big intention guy, right. You, you've, I've said that several times on this and even in the pre-show when you and I were chatting intention and intention and purpose to me is, is, is the same thing. Right. Yeah. And so having that intention through the pain is because pain is inevitable. All of us are going to have it. There's nobody that doesn't, nobody. Right. And if we can truly look and understand what our purpose is, then we can navigate through that pain and we can, and we can push through. And I would say in the way I hear it today is too, is telling those stories because somebody needs to hear it Again, you are unique, but your story is just as important as any of ours and then some. Absolutely. And so tell those stories and, and be part of it. And I believe you, all of us can help. And with our purpose, we can also help and pull people through their pain too. Absolutely, man. That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. Mm. Jeremy, how can people connect with you? You've got a coaching course. You've got a podcast. We've talked about optimal self a lot today, but how can people, if they, if they're in that aspect of their life where it's like, man, I really, really need this, you know, and mm -hmm. what's the best way to connect with you, to reach out to you and find out more about what you do? Perfect. Optimal self, optimal self dot today is, is our website. All of our socials are on there. My socials are on there. I answer it all. Um, I do have a partner. And so we, we do tag team those from time to time, but he's, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. So mm -hmm. You will get me again. If you reach to me on, on social, I always respond. I do my best. It might not be that day, but I will get to it. I promise you. Um, so if you touch over to optimal self today, we also have the, we create an identity creator course. Some of the, th literally the things that I exactly did coming out of that car ride. <laughs> I told sitting in that car that day with, uh, things that came out. I, I built the course giving you literally the exact step-by-step that I did to start to, to, to figure out who I was and affirm it. It's free. We give it to you right, right out of the gate. Cause we want people, I want, I want that in people's hands. 
And then from there, we'll just get on a, we'll get on a call and, and we'll see if, uh, if we can help you. And I'll be honest, if we can't, I'm going to tell you that, you know, I want to be truthful and, and honest with people and, but we'd love to have them part of our community. Um, of course, jump over to optimal self, uh, on the podcast, if you get iTunes and obviously give us a rating and review and, and, and push that out there. There's a ton of, I do little bite-sized one, one-offs for you. So if you're just, you know, if you only got 10 minutes, I probably got one on there that's 10 minutes and, you know, maybe, maybe it can help you or help somebody in your family. We'd that's, love it. That's amazing, brother. I have been so absolutely honored to have you as a guest, man. I'm, I'm so excited. And uh, I can't wait to actually go back and hear this recording myself. That's the great <laughs> thing about it is like, I, I can listen to it a thousand times over and over. Oh you know, man, I appreciate so. it. I love you, man. I'm I'm so honored to 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 be in uh to be in the circle. Uh, you know, I mean, the, you, Jim Rome used to say, right? You're some of the five people you hang around the most. Yes. Well, man, if I can hang around you more, I'll I'll, I'll be a better man. So I Dude, appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. That's 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 encouraging to hear. It really is. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.